Hello and welcome to the first Fight Like a Girl podcast. I'm Chloe Moore and this is a project that I've wanted to start for a while now. Um, Partly as an excuse for me to talk to all of the wonderful and inspirational women within jiu-jitsu and also because I'm fascinated by the lives that the same people leave outside of the sport. Um, So in me getting to speak to them, it not only broadened my horizon as to what other people go through in their day-to-day lives on top of their continued training of jiu-jitsu but um, hopefully it will also help to educate others in areas that um, aren't always visible. So um, yeah what better time to do this than on International Women's Day? Alongside International Women's Day, the UK BJJA have also relaunched their Women's Committee, who in turn are promoting their new hashtag campaign, I Still Trained. Um, Yeah, I will apologise in advance, as there are areas in the recording where the mics used to do the interview aren't the best, so there's some static within the recording that I haven't been able to fix, and... Like, there are areas where I think my mic feels very distant and Joe's is very close. Um, But the content supplied by my guest is still wonderful nonetheless, so I really hope that you're able to stick with it. Um, But yeah, I'll definitely make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, So yeah, without any further ado, the interview. Today... I am joined by a black belt in love and compassion, (laughs) the lovely (laughs) Josie White. Many of you will know Josie from her amazing brand, Reina Fightwear, and others will just know her as, you know, that mental chick with half her head shaved. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) And the tattoos. (laughs) Weirdo. Um, I chose Josie specifically because she suffers from a condition called fibromyalgia, and I thought that that would be a great place to start for the I Still Train campaign. So, Josie, (laughs) um, if you would be so kind, would you be able to describe what fibromyalgia is and how it affects your day-to-day life okay so I guess in a nutshell um it's chronic widespread pain chronic fatigue um and then you have other things that spin off from it so things that like fibro fog where my concentration um can pretty much just not be there at all I can completely zone out and have no control over it whatsoever um I can also have other symptoms as well I often get my hands and feet feel like they're on fire, um, which, as you can imagine, when you're doing gi, isn't very fun, because <laughs> it makes you feel like your grips are actually burning, which isn't very nice. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just a piece of shit, really. <laughs> Basically, it's not not very fun. It's not very nice. Um, it's not very well, I guess, investigated among medical peoples. Uh, they still don't know what causes it. They still don't know how to cure it. Um, so it's just a constant balancing act. Okay. So um, 
How often do you currently train jujitsu? Uh, and is it just jujitsu that you train? Yeah, it's just jujitsu that I train. Um, I train three to four times a week, but I also walk at least two miles five days a week as well. Okay, and I'm assuming that those two and a half miles can't be overly comfortable when I'm assuming after a certain amount of time your body just wants to not do that. Yeah, it's pretty much agony, to be fair. Um, it, I don't really know how to describe it. Imagine when you've done, like, mega leg day, and you know that second day is the worst day, and you can't walk up the stairs. Mm. That's pretty much how my legs feel 95% of the time. Um, so when I fully crash, it's not, not fun. Mm. Excuse the mega husky voice, by the way, I've got a cold. <laughs> don't worry, you're talking to me. <laughs> okay, so... How long have you been suffering with fibromyalgia? Is it something that you've uh, had your whole life or is it something that started at a certain point and has continued ever since? Um, no, I've been suffering for almost 10 years now. Um, I got first sick when I was 18. So before that, I was crazy active. I did snowboarding, American football, Muay Thai rock climbing, anything I could get my hands on, I'd do it because I've just always been a really active person. Um, and then I decided to bugger off to uni in Bedfordshire. And the first few weeks were awesome, had a great time. And then I got sick. Um, kept getting told at the hospital that it was just fresh as flu um, and constantly sent home. But I physically couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't deal with any light so I was in a blacked out room pretty much the whole time um pretty much didn't eat because I was just I was too exhausted uh, it turns out I actually had severe glandular fever and severe tonsillitis um to a point where my I ended up with abscesses all inside my throat and my mouth and my jaw seized shut so having that ripped open was really fun and something like out of a horror movie um, yeah so but, hang on a minute like they ripped open your jaw were you conscious for that yeah they couldn't put you under so no it's because the doctors were they were really weird it's like they didn't believe what was going on and with all the abscesses and stuff in my mouth they were like oh it can't be that bad pulled yeah. on my mouth and all these abscesses and stuff just ruptured and there was blood and it was yeah it was, it was awful yeah. at the time um, and then since then I've See, just I've just not gotten better let's go off topic for a moment the best thing about this conversation so far is before this you were like can we can I say shit like, do you mind if I swear and now you're like yeah so they just pulled my door open and ruptured a load of abscesses so uh, I think <laughs> going PG <laughs> yeah sorry it's kind of gone horror movie styly hasn't it my bad don't um, worry about it it's all good so um, it all started like, it all at started the beginning of university yeah it all started with the glandular fever and the tonsillitis and 
once they realised that's what was going on, obviously I got put on an incredible amount of antibiotics. I had my tonsils removed, which they totally gave me an isolate after surgery, which is amazing, by the way. Um, that seems to be like the best thing about any surgery. Like every time I've, I've heard of someone having like a major surgery, it's always been like, and then they gave me ice cream afterwards. And I'm like, maybe I just want to get a surgery. Not anymore. For Apparently ice they give you toast now after you've had your tonsils out to help what? scrape away stuff in your throat. That's not fair. I know, but I had it done privately because I moved back to my parents' house to have it done. So they gave me a really nice blackcurrant ice lolly. And I remember the guy next to me who had knee surgery was not impressed that I had an ice lolly and he didn't. So, yeah. <laughs> you just had to put up with uh, loneliness and shame. Exactly. Brilliant. Exactly. <laughs> right. So um, you started suffering at the beginning of your university career, I'm going yes. to call it. Um so and a bumpy career it has been <laughs> so i'm assuming you took time out of your studies to to do all of this like obviously if you're suffering from um what did you say severe tonsillitis glandular fever. glandular fever yeah and um then having all of these surgeries and then having your jaw ripped open in a very uh, vivid manner <laughs> <laughs> like you couldn't have been focusing on your studies that much. So how much did your fibro, I'm going to call it fibro because... No, it's fine, it's, it's a mouthful, the, yeah. It's going to be the underlining symptom for everything that yeah. you went through. So how did that affect like the rest of your studies? Because you finished out the three, four years? No, no. I didn't. I actually left. Yeah, okay. I had to leave um, because I just I couldn't cope. I was really, really unwell. Um, and then at the time I moved in with my partner at the time, um, in West Yorkshire. Yeah. Now, see, now you're remembering stuff. Um, and I was still really, I was bedridden probably for about a year, year and a half, could barely move. It got to points where I would have to have someone pick me up and put me in the shower so I could wash or pick me up to put me on the toilet so I could go because I was just in too much pain and I was too exhausted that I just I couldn't do anything and it was so frustrating because I saw specialist after specialist after specialist and I've been through all kinds of therapy in terms of mental health because at first they thought it was all in my head mm. so I've been on all kinds of antidepressants I've done cognitive behavioral therapy I've done light aversion therapy I've had a counselor sit there and prod me and try and figure out if it was something in my childhood, which it wasn't. So, yeah, it was it was good fun. Yeah. Basically being a human pincushion for a very long time. See, like, I've had a kind of similar experience because, um, like, gender dysphoria is obviously a non-visible yeah. illness. So it's very easy for someone to see a broken leg and diagnose a broken leg but when it comes to um invisible illnesses it's much more difficult to treat and like if people can't when, see it they fob it off they're just yeah. like that's oh, in your head and, like, go away. you feel you feel more and more that like medical clinicians especially um professional psychiatric clinicians should have a wider understanding of what these things are um i know for a fact that since my diagnosis as um, 
gender dysphoric uh, transgender um, like my doctors suffer from a condition called broken arm syndrome where I can go to the doctors and say I'm depressed or I am ill in some manner and it will always be reverted back to my uh, diagnosis as transgender they'll, yeah. they'll try and say it's probably the pills that you're on. It's probably the stuff that you're doing here. It's probably doing this, this, and this. And it, it becomes increasingly frustrating when you're trying to get help, but one thing that's affecting your life is preventing you from fixing other things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I get it all of the time when... Because I attempted uni again while I was in West Yorkshire. Because mm. I was like, I'm going to do it. I've got to do this. I've got to get through it. Um, I kind of got to a stage where I was just about coping like it was hard and I was struggling but I I was able to get out of bed I was moving around so it would literally just be go to uni come home go to uni come home um but I didn't really have much support at the time um especially because in my second year because I made it to the first year my second year I found out I was pregnant with Marley um and I didn't get much support so I had to leave and then I moved back down to Southampton to get support from my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to stop the whole process all over again. Because my GP now then didn't believe the GP that was up there, who then didn't believe the one that was in Bedfordshire. So then I had to go through all of the tests all over again. And that was so infuriating. And I remember just being in tears, like, why do I have to keep fighting for this when it's written in paper yeah. in front of you? Someone's diagnosed me. It's a neurologist who's a neurologist and a rheumatologist, I think, that diagnosed it. I was like, why do I have to keep fighting? This is ridiculous. Yeah. And then all I did was move from one end of Southampton to the other, got a new GP, and I had to go through the whole thing all over again. You're too young. You shouldn't have it. Mm. This isn't right. It's all in your head. To then be put on... I've been put on so many pills in terms of painkillers and antipsychotics to a point where one of the antipsychotics made me feel like I wanted to kill myself. Because it completely screwed me over. And when it got to that point, I was like, I can't can't do this anymore. Can't keep taking tablets. They have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. What's the point? You feel like you constantly have to justify yourself. Yeah. And it's not... And that's when you start questioning yourself and questioning the world and saying things like, it's not fair and this shouldn't be happening to me. Yeah, And totally. that's when those kinds of drugs kind of kick you into doing things that you might not want to do. And it's is awful like um so you come back down to Southampton you've had Marley by this point yes by the time I moved back she is about just over a year just over a year old yeah (coughs) are you living on your own again yeah we were in homelessness accommodation um just the two of us I had some support from my family, which was awesome, but other than that, I had no money, nothing at all, (laughs) and it was just me and her in a tiny little studio thing with bubble-wrapped windows to try and keep the heat in, and Mm -hmm. yeah, it wasn't fun, but I just, I had to power through, and I would be so ill all the time, and everything would hurt all of the time, but I had to work, Yes, had to get her to nursery, so I just kind of carried on but that meant because I had no consistency and no idea how to balance yes what was going on I would go from feeling amazing one day like everything's absolutely great I'm not in that much pain so then I'd overdo it 
Mm. And then I would spend like a week in agony, like absolute agony, not be able to move, feel so ill. And I was very lucky that at the time um, where I was working, my manager, who's now my best friend, her dad suffered from the same condition. So she was very understanding and would give me jobs at work where I could sit down and do them. Yeah. Or I wouldn't have to be on the shop floor just so then I wouldn't miss work and get into trouble and all mm. that stuff. So Yeah. And like So before we started this <coughs> podcast, um you introduced me to a documentary called Unrest. Yes. Um one of the things that I thought was quite interesting uh, near the beginning of that was um, it's I might be completely wrong in what I <laughs> interpreted but they it was described as a, de- a degenerative disease in that where the people didn't know what they had and they didn't understand what they had they constantly got sicker and sicker yeah and it wasn't until they were able to address um, the the condition and understand what the condition was that they were able to stop it because from when you I'm assuming that when you start having symptoms of fibromyalgia you don't really have any control of um, how quickly you decline but also you set the bar for where you can get back to and right now I'm assuming you'll never get back to the point where you were when you were 19 where you had all the energy, you wanted to do all the sports yeah. and do all of this. So now, even if you are having a great day, I'm assuming that your energy levels and your ability to perform are hindered somewhat by... Yeah, I mean, my version of a great day is almost someone else's version of a shit day in terms of health. Um, because the pain and the fatigue never go. Um so yeah, I'm never going to get back to how I was when I was 19, which is one of the hardest things. Like obviously, as you get older, you're never going to get back to where you were when you were younger. Yeah, I get that. I'm not completely retarded, but um, <laughs> only partially. But yeah, I know that I'm never going to get completely back to no pain, mm. no fatigue. Um, but it's still hard to think that I'm 28. Yeah, and I don't feel like I'm 28. I feel like I'm 78 in terms of my energy in terms of like I have a walking stick downstairs for when my legs get too bad I've got crutches for when my legs get too bad you know so but yeah you do you hit a plateau and at the moment I've plateaued um I've been in a really good place now for I'd say five years awesome um a big part of that is down to John um when we got together and he'd seen how bad my health could get, he Googled the shit out of it. <laughs> um, and he'd seen what painkillers and stuff I'd been on and how it didn't really help and it was just making me sick. And So we decided to just try a completely alternative route. So we just... When I say alternative, I don't mean we're doing like hippy-dippy, ah, stuff. Yeah, not but homeopathic remedy. No, not so much. It's more just the whole... I try and eat as healthy as I can 90% of the time. I do still have crap because otherwise life would be boring. Yeah. Um, I love sweets. I'm a massive sweet addict. So, yeah. Um, See, I try and eat as well as I can. I try and make sure I drink plenty of water. I take vitamins and supplements and 
I try and exercise regularly and mm. try and make sure I get enough sleep and things like that. So it, it's all a balancing act, really, yeah. I find. But also I've been lucky enough to have that support to help me get to this point, whereas I know a lot of people with my condition, if they don't get that support early on, they don't, they can just completely decline in their mm. health. Um, and yeah, you do get depressed from it. Being in pain all the time isn't exactly yeah. a happy thing. So, and like you saw in the documentary, suicide is a massively high yes. rate for this illness, um, yeah. which sucks. Mm. It is. <coughs> like, uh, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to draw, <laughs> I'm going to draw a comparison between yourself and me. God's sake. I'm joking, I'm joking. But there's also... Um, <coughs> so, uh, the trans community has one of the highest suicide rates uh, that there are. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like 54% of all sufferers of gender dysphoria have uh, either attempted or... No, it's attempted suicide at yeah. one point in their life. And, um, like, it's... It's an awful statistic, but it should also be an indication of just how deeply people who suffer from the condition feel about who they are. Yeah. And um There needs to be a lot more support in place. A lot more. Yeah. And it's obviously it's not the same in that I didn't experience uh chronic pain or fatigue, but what I did experience prior to my transition was um like it's a constant feeling of unrest yeah. and like it's it fit you're not it's you. like white noise essentially in the back of your head all the yeah. time like a constant little voice just telling you that things aren't right so um it's not difficult to see how someone goes from um just being sad all the time and then declining into suicide and the same with the fibromyalgia like I can't imagine how I would feel if I couldn't get up in the morning I couldn't yeah. go to work I couldn't um just do the day-to-day -day things that I take for granted at the moment and like even though like I do still suffer heavily from like depression and anxiety but my depression manifests itself in like stupid ways. I'll get home from work and I'll get into bed and then that's all I'll do. Yeah. I'll stay in bed and then waste the evening and um, hate myself afterwards. But for you, that's not a choice. <laughs> it's more a case of you have to be in bed and do things. Otherwise you're in a tremendous amount of pain. And like, yeah, like, my next question is going to be, um, like, so you have a, a one-year-old child, you're living on your own, Yep. you're suffering from this ridiculous disease and you're working, is it two jobs or one? I was just work, working the one, just but as, the one. as many hours as I could probably yeah. get, yeah. But then you also went back to university. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Yeah. In, uh, is it fashion design? Uh, fashion graphics, which I don't know why I did it because I don't like fashion anyway, so that's pretty stupid. <laughs> but you like graphics? Yeah, so, yeah. 
is what it is, I guess. Um, yeah, decided to, you know, add more, add more onto my plate because that's that's the clever thing I do. My parents always said I never do things by halves, and I always have to go in full throttle. So yeah, it's exactly what I did. Um, so yeah, I've been back a year. Um, and again, it was actually John that convinced me to go back to uni because I'd been toying with the idea. Mm. Um, and he works at Solent. Um, and the moment I even mentioned an inkling of going back to uni, all of a sudden, all these prospectuses landed in my living room um, of all these magical courses I could do. Um, <coughs> Read through them. Do something with your yeah, life. Yeah, do something. Don't be so lazy. Um, so, yeah, decided to go back to uni. Um, third attempt. Mm actually made it through and graduated the third time is the charm third time lucky (laughs) got pregnant this time as well brilliant but this time i graduated with baby bump so that was quite funny um if i'd given birth on stage then it would have been properly like an american tv show so that would have been quite funny um yeah and it was in my final year that Raina, i guess was born Mm from that as well so, so that was your final year project my final year well it was meant to be um and then some red tape meant that i couldn't use it as my final project yes because the university own like don't they own dissertations essentially it wasn't so much that um i was told i could start it during the summer Mm-mm. um so that i because i didn't know how my health would be um where it was all over the place and i'd really struggled in my second year uh, because I also got diagnosed with von Willebrand's disease, which is a form of haemophilia. So I'd been in and out of hospital all through my second year as well with medication testing and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which took a lot out of me. Um, and so I started it in the summer. And by the time it got to actually properly starting it as like the class to do all your final bits, mm. um, they said that I'd taken it too far right. and that I couldn't use it. So... <laughs> but by this point I'd already found out that the university did funding and stuff for students that wanted to start their own businesses and I thought yeah why not give it a go um so yeah in my final year I was doing my dissertation doing my final major project heavily pregnant while starting a new business (laughs) and graduating um so nothing by heart yeah yeah looking back it was pretty stupid i guess no no, i wouldn't say stupid no it wasn't stupid it was intense Mm. um very very intense but because like yeah do you think that had an effect on how you were affected by your fiber at the time if you're being pulled in so many directions i'm assuming that uh procrastination didn't have a a hand in anything because it couldn't have a hand in anything no so many things to to do and keep you occupied yeah and I was so lucky because um I got disability support from university Mm. John recommended I go through them I didn't think I'd get anything at all in terms of help um but actually they gave me a laptop um an ergonomic desk chair as you do you know um a a scanner and a printer and stuff so if I needed to I could work from home um so that made all the difference in terms of like me being able to actually carry on with my studies if I was really struggling to move, if I couldn't make it in and out of university. I mean, I live less than a five minute walk from Solent, but sometimes I just physically couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, so yeah, 
Sorry, I am moving around a little bit. This is no, no. my fucking leg hurt. <laughs> God's sake, it's so windy. I know. <laughs> it's almost like one of us has a chronic illness. And it's, it's not the one, one that's just win- It's not one of us that's whinging about pain right now. Um. <laughs> I'm not whinging about pain. I just don't like being in pain. Yeah, same. I totally understand. <laughs> okay, so... We, bro- we briefly touched on Raina then. Yep. Before we actually talk about Raina itself, let's talk about <laughs> jiu-jitsu. How yes. is it that you... How did you get into jiu-jitsu? And, like, when did you start? How long have you been training? Oh, God. And just give me all of the... All, all of the, the details. I want about all of the jiu-jitsu. details. Um... <laughs> I can't remember exactly how long ago it was I started. Uh, like three years? Three, maybe four, yeah, four years? Like I know the answer. You should know the answer. The you should know the answer. <laughs> maybe four years? Um, I started because of John, basically. Um, Is there anything that man can't do? Yeah, but I probably shouldn't say it over the microphone. <laughs> um, no, no, I'm joking. I'm kidding. He's lovely. Uh <laughs> He's gonna kill me for this. Good, uh, <laughs> good. I'm glad. Um, no, basically, we touched on the fact that I'd always liked martial arts. Anyway, mm. I'd never tried to do jujitsu. When we met, he was doing Thai boxing, um, and then moved on to jujitsu, and he totally fell in love with it. And for months, hounded me to go and try jujitsu, and I was just like, I don't know, I really don't know, especially with my health and stuff. Like, I'd gone and watched a few times, and I was like, oh, I would, but there's a lot of people crushing each other, and, you know, pain and my body being crushed doesn't really seem like a really fun mix. Um, And then, I think it was one morning on my way to school, to school? (laughs) What, am I 12? Um, On my way to work, (laughs) um, two guys, we don't live in the best area, by the way, two guys tried to jump me. Brilliant. Um which obviously wasn't very fun um and i was a bit shook up by it because i see them in the area even now Mm. um and then yeah john pushed for me to go and i was like fine i'll try i'll go and i went to one of the white belt only sessions um and spoke to a guy called dave there who kind of like knew what happened and was really chill and kind of helped me out and uh yeah that's kind of how it all started and I think it was like I did one, two sessions and then that was kind of it. I was hooked. I've always loved martial arts and stuff anyway. Mm. So to finally be doing something again like that after so long out of doing any sport was amazing. I hurt like hell. <laughs> um, it was awful. I just, I got blinding headaches. I couldn't move. I thought I was going to be sick. You know that high pitch ringing you get in your ears? Yeah. Yeah. That to a point where I'd be doubled over in pain. It was that sharp. Um, but it was totally freaking worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so we just we just started doing whatever we could to help with my recovery and to like... Mm. I have to prep before training and I have to do after training prep to make sure that I can kind of... Get through. Not just be a little <laughs> lump on the floor shaking... <laughs> I guess. So, so yeah. Um, 
I'm assuming that, and this is a wild assumption, by the way, um, your experience of your fibromyalgia now, as compared to when you first started, like, do you still have the same, uh, not issues, but is it the same levels of uh, pain and fatigue after classes, or is it more manageable now that you know how your body works a little more around the techniques and stuff? I think it's more manageable now because we've spent a lot of time monitoring me, I Mm. guess is the right word, Um, to see how my body reacts, what things I can take that might help, Um, even to the point of working out how many classes I can do in a week and spreading them out evenly to give myself like proper rest days and stuff. And we really have to be on it with it. And because obviously John wants to train as well, we're really cool and have a two uh, <laughs> fortnightly rotor so that we each get a chance to do gi and no gi. Um, yes, because... Uh, I don't know if I'm giving too much of your life away. Just go but for like, it. You have... Um, like, where you both do it, obviously you need childcare at the same time. Yes. So, like, one person takes the kids, the other person goes to train. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't so difficult when it was just Marley because she was, what, two, three years old. So she'd come down to the gym and she'd just kind of like chill on the mats, watch everyone train. A couple of the guys would like mess around and roll with her a little bit, which has gotten her into doing it. So she trains as well now. Um, oh, I know that. <laughs> she tried to choke you earlier. Um, <laughs> that wasn't even jiu <laughs> She just hates me. No, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Um, <laughs> Um, but obviously now we've got Effie, who's only 18 months. Um, yeah, we don't, we can't really take her down as much. Because as much as she wants to join in, yeah. she's not quite big enough to yet. No. As adorable as it is, don't really fancy. As much of a tank as she is as well. Yeah, and Andy Little does like to try and armbar her and triangle choke her. So I think maybe <laughs> keeping her away from the gym for a little bit might be a good idea. <laughs> so it's it's essentially becoming a family affair. Yeah. Effie will get into it. Most likely. I've already got her doing forward rolls and bear crawls <laughs> in the living room. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's because she, she comes along to the kids' classes when, obviously, we're there with Marley. So she yeah. watches she and watches she starts Marley. trying to copy, which is, like, mega cute. Explovaries. <laughs> <laughs> and you're watching and like, maybe I'll have another. Not yet. Mummy has abs again. Let's let's enjoy the abs for a little bit longer before we crack just, out another one. Just a tiny bit. So, um, right. So, you started jujitsu. Yes. Did Raina come about before you started or after you started? After. Jiu-jitsu? After. After. Um, so, what made you want to essentially create your own brand? Well, that was part of the project at uni was mm. the idea was to create a bro- your own brand as your final major project. Um, and because I had Marley, I was being very much pushed into doing a kid's clothing brand and I kept trying and trying and trying, but I'm not a very... Mumsy mum. No, I'm really not, as you probably noticed today. <laughs> um, I'm really not. Um, like, don't get me wrong, I love my kids. <laughs> that sounds really bad. I love my babies. I do. But I don't... I don't know, I don't do all that like... And they're girls as well, and I, I don't do pink and fluffy. I don't do no. flowers and girly stuff, yay! Um, it's, not, it's not really me, 
and it never it never has been even my no. even my parents they're like you're you're our son like yeah. we, we always wanted a boy <laughs> and we had you and you are so tomboyish you, you are our son and that's how it's always been I've always been yeah. like the boy of the family I guess so but then in doing that you're um <clears throat> You're kind of not imposing those, like, stereotypical gender roles on your kids. No, I guess moment. not. And, like, they're both fiercely independent children. Yeah, and... I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and, like, ridiculously intelligent at the same time. Like, um, Marley especially has a very good sense of self, like, from what I can, or from what I've observed. Yeah. At least. And um, yeah, she very not... much knows what she likes and yeah. how things need to be. She... And like, there's a part of me that feels if she wanted to do girly things, she would do them. Oh yeah, totally. And if she wanted to do other things, she would do them. I mean, she went through a phase of, oh well, mummy doesn't like pink, so I don't like pink. Pink's not my favourite colour anymore, which is the thing that's going on at the moment. At the moment, it's no, I like green. I don't like pink anymore. I like green, but <laughs> pink slowly sneaks back in. And I keep telling her, I'm like, you can like what you want. You don't have to dislike something because I don't necessarily like yeah. it. You're allowed to be be your own person. And we've always kind of done that because she loves superheroes and yeah. she loves princesses and fairies. So she would be like, what was it? Iron Man fairy and Hulk princess and would mix and match her dress up costumes. And I was like, yeah, go for it. Like, I don't, yeah, I do. don't mind. So <clears throat> when it came to like doing my own brand... Mm. I was doing the kids' clothing, just didn't... I couldn't do it. No. I just... I really struggled with it. And then John was like, well, we, why don't you just do, like, a jiu-jitsu brand? Because you're struggling to find anything you like yeah. in terms of training. And I was like, yeah, that's a really good idea. And then that's kind of... It just all snowballed after that really, really fast. Like, incredibly mm. fast. Um, well, yeah, because I've only been training for... <laughs> I started in November 16. Okay. November 2016. And even back then, like when I asked people about uh, female cut jujitsu gear, like your brand came up straight away. It was the first thing that people said. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, like, we still find it weird when we see people like in photos wearing our stuff. Like we're still like, oh my god, that's amazing! People like it. Ah. <laughs> well, no, it means a lot because we we are just a little family-run business. It's not like we're some massive yeah. brand, which I think some pe- people that don't know us, I think, don't realise that. Yeah, they think we're bigger than we are. When actually, I'm like, oh, no, it's just the two of us. But what I I will say is, um, before I knew you, I I did order some things from you, and it was it's very apparent that one. It's not just a business for you. And two, there is a lot of care and attention that goes into it. What did you order from out. us? Uh, I'm curious now. I'm going to go back through the like customer logs and be like, what? <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> curious um, now. But like, everything that I've ever received from you guys has always come with a personalised message. Like, pretty much. Yeah, I, I like, write out all the notes. Like, I know sometimes they might just be like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, but it's just, but I don't you know, don't, I think it's nicer. Yeah, but then you don't get that with every company. And, no. like, you can tell that a lot of thought and effort has gone into the brand. And it's not something that you're... 
necessarily doing because you want excuse me <laughs> because you want to take over the world it's something that you're doing because you love it yeah you love the sport and you want like you actively want more women to engage within the sport yeah definitely so having a female dedicated brand is it can only be viewed as a good thing and it is yeah absolutely i mean i say i although it started off as a oh let's just do this as a uni project kind of thing um the more we looked into it and then the more it became like we could actually do this as a business um john and i sat down and we really thought about like how we'd want to what our ethos i guess would be i hate that word yeah. really hate that word um and what we'd want from it and like our main things from the start was to try and encourage more women to do jiu-jitsu mm. um and just have more i guess variety because at the time when i was looking at stuff i'm not going to say now because there's a lot more variety out there now yeah but at the time when i was looking at stuff a lot of like the rash guards and things that i found that were women's were just they had like pink or flowers on them yeah. or like swirly shit and i don't do swirly shit yeah um, it's like it's overly feminized yeah and i'm i don't know i like there's nothing wrong with being massively feminine i know some yeah. women love that stuff and fair play to them that's totally on them but i it's not that's not me and i know a lot of women as well where they don't want to wear massively feminine things especially mm. in i guess a very male dominated sport yeah um i mean cuz i i don't want to like for a long time i felt like at my gym uh, I was just John's girlfriend at yeah. the gym and I was just John's girlfriend that trained and that was it and I feel like it's taken me a long time to gain my own respect there through my skills and what respect. I've learned respect <laughs> this is jujitsu. we don't pronounce our R's I'm, I'm half West Indian leave me alone <laughs> um, <laughs> then why are you rolling them R's so yeah I I wanted to make stuff that made you feel strong and powerful and yeah i guess like you could do anything really Emboldened. yeah and and we wanted to make it so that there was more more sizes as well yeah i mean that's why some of our stuff i think goes up to like a size 24 26 i think some of our rash guards um, i don't know i've ordered them that we've got at the moment he wasn't saying you had <laughs> Oh, that was awkward. <laughs> You're a 26? 35? 42? Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to... Because there's such a variety of, like, shapes and sizes. So yeah. we've still got a long way to go with that because I say we are a small company. We haven't got the funds to be able to invest at the moment in having long sizes short sizes curvy sizes and everything yeah. but we're we're slowly getting there and it is something that we are actively looking into and actively want to yeah. pursue it's just going to unfortunately take us a little bit more time um yeah because you have like the you have the bigger gear companies in the, the country and for them it's kind of okay they've had time in the sport and they have um like a backfill of stock so when people order stuff, they can just go, yeah, done. That's yeah. Done. That's done. And like for smaller companies, a lot of people don't take into account that you may not have everything in stock and it's going to be a while before you get to restock. Yeah. And that's not easy. <laughs> no, definitely. Absolutely. Because we've put 
a hell of a lot of our own money into this. I mean, when we first started, we did a crowdfunding page, which I hated. But it was part of getting the funding from the university as their like little Dragon's Den style thing. Yeah. You had to do a crowdfunding page. That's not something we wanted to do. We didn't want to be like, people give us money. Um, but we had to do that just to get a little bit from them. But other than that, it's we've put everything we've got into it. Mm. Um, and as well, it was a good way of... Because working, for me, especially if my health... Because it still goes up and down. I still have days where I'm in agony, where I can't move. Um, where even doing the school runs is a struggle. That being able to work for myself and work from home um, is ideal. Mm. Because then I'd, I don't have to worry about... Well, I don't get paid for it anyway. But I don't have to worry about like calling in sick yeah. or anything like that. So... I don't have to worry about losing money or stuff like that because I'm not having to report to anyone. I just have to yeah. report to myself and make sure I get stuff done. So, she yeah. That's, yeah. See, yeah, that's it, really. I'm a stay-at-home entrepreneur. Oh, don't I hate that word as well. Why would you say that? <laughs> because I know it annoys you. That word is awful. I don't know why. It, I just It makes me cringe. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, one, it's true. It's just an awful word. It's just an awful like, word. It just, just say that loaded with pretension. Boss lady, businesswoman. I don't know. No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I make stuff that people buy. That's... I just I make stuff up as I go along. I just try my best. Yeah, everyone. It's pretty much it. <laughs> That's life. <laughs> um, okay. So, I'm just trying to think. We've covered you year two. Mm-hmm. We've covered Raina a little bit. Yeah. So. Um, you did a little bit of MMA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one, how did that come about? Two, how did you handle um, the the changing gear uh, when it came to training? Because I'm assuming that you couldn't stick to the same routine as you had previously for jiu-jitsu, where you had to cross-train with, uh, <laughs> is it Thai boxing or Muay Thai? Or did you just go 100% jiu-jitsu in your MMA career as well? <laughs> so, I'm taking it to the ground. Okay, so basically, um, I was mainly training no gi at the time. Because uh, John was a bastard and stole all the nights that were gi. So I... What a bastard. I know, he's so selfish. I hope you're listening to this, John. <laughs> Asshole. So, <laughs> so I was doing no gi. And actually, I found a massive love for no gi. Um, and really, really enjoy it. And still do really enjoy it. Mm. Um... And then our gym started doing, you know, they do the ultra white collar boxing. Yes. Uh, they started doing the ultra MMA and it popped up and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then I got talked into it and I was like, well, I've all, I'd always wanted to give MMA a try. Like John and I watch it quite a lot anyway. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a go. And John was very worried. Yeah. Um, because he didn't know how it was going to affect my health uh, because I may have taken it a step too far. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we bought, I had recovery shakes, protein shakes, super greens, creatine, glucosamine, magnesium, any ev- anything and everything you could possibly buy supplement wise, had it all. Um, and I trained, how often did I train? So you're meant to do 
two days a week and then a sparring session on Sunday. And your sessions were an hour long. I did five days a week. Um, and I would do the jiu-jitsu classes before the MMA classes. And sometimes I'd do double MMA classes. So sometimes I would do three and a half hours in one night in a row. Um, but I built up to that. I didn't start doing that like right away. I just kind of slowly started doing extra bits, um, until I got to a point where I find it's like I get to a point where that that's it. If I, if I, if I keep this up, I'll be fine. But if I suddenly drop it off, I'm, I'm screwed. Um, so then I have to slowly decline my training back down. I can't just suddenly stop and start because that's when it really, really yo-yos my health around. Um, so yeah, I was training like five days a week for like three and a half hours at a time, um, for eight weeks. Um, and a proper MMA fight at the end of it. I wouldn't say a proper MMA fight at the end of it. To be honest, you I don't... You're not on the cage with another person. Yeah, but to be honest, I don't know why I did... Well, I do know. I did it for charity, and also I wanted to give MMA a go. So I was like, oh, it's a win-win situation. Yeah. I wanted to give it a try, and money goes to charity. So it's all good. But I hate crowds. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate being the centre of attention in a crowd. It makes me feel very awkward, and I don't like it. Yeah, at all that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from yeah it's why i like i personally i have to leave work early because uh the thought of getting the tube at five o'clock with every other person in central london petrifies me and like i've had to do it like a couple of times and those couple of times i've missed my train because i sit at my the end of my tube stop crying because oh no like, i i don't like feeling uh compressed by yep. people and where everyone's so packed in i'm like oh i don't like it yeah i don't like it i don't like it but then like at the same time i competed a lot last year and that was fine <laughs> like, it's weird isn't it yeah. it's really really weird um i found that jiu-jitsu competitions mm. i still get the nerves but i'm not so bad because there's several people competing at the yes. same time so it's not all eyes on you whereas for the mma it's all eyes up solely yeah. on you there's one ring and there's people screaming and shouting and like part of my fibromyalgia as well is i can be mega sensitive to noise yes. like crazy sensitive to noise um so mixing that with a giant adrenaline dump from walking into a cage um about to fight someone who i actually became really good friends with and i'm still really good friends with now was just it was all kinds of mixed emotions and noise and people screaming and I was fighting with broken fingers which I probably shouldn't have done because <laughs> <laughs> I broke my knuckles um on my right hand and I'm right-handed so that was really handy uh two weeks before as you do yeah why not so now I've got really really sexy fat fingers um still now <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, I couldn't hear anything. Mm. I could not hear anything anyone was saying. I felt like I couldn't see anything. I felt like I had tunnel vision. It was, so it made me think I don't really like MMA that much. Who did you fight? Um, her name's Claire. Um, she's a personal trainer in Southampton. Um, really, really good. Picked up the techniques really, really fast. 
probably shouldn't have trained with her so much over the eight weeks. We were pretty much just solely training partners, so I pretty much just taught her everything that I do, Excellent. which was probably a really stupid idea, thinking back at it. Um, <laughs> but it made for an interesting fight. But it was good fun. It was really, yeah. really good fun. Um, and like I say, we're still really good friends now, and she's looking forward to when like we have some more classes on that she can attend so she can come back and train. So that would be really, really nice. So I've gained gained some good buddies from it. Um, but yeah, it hit it hit my fibro hard. I mean, a lot of people, after their fights, they went out drinking, they went out partying, and I saw all the videos the next morning of some of the shenanigans they got up to. You laid down on a stretcher and carried <laughs> Not quite, no. Um, I stayed to watch the last few fights yeah. um, and kind of say hi to everyone. And had a celebratory shot, even though alcohol is a really bad idea with this condition. But hey ho, it happens, and I like rum. So, um, <laughs> and then yeah, everyone else left, and John and I just went back, picked up the kids from the sitter, ordered a pizza, and before it even arrived, I collapsed in agony on the sofa. And yeah, the fatigue hit so hard that. It's not even like I'm falling asleep. It's just I'm gone. That's that's it. Um, and then he had to carry me up to bed and I struggled for the next two weeks oh. to kind of get back on my feet again. Um, but it was totally worth it and it was really good fun. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, well, I found out that actually I shouldn't have done it. Apparently, when you have haemophilia, you shouldn't actually be doing contact sports. Which <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. And my consultant may have shouted at me two months later when he found out I'd done it. So MMA is not in my future. And I also found out that I really don't like people trying to punch me in the head. I find it gets in the way. I prefer grappling. So When I started um, training, like I started at an MMA gym. So I did two, I did one class of uh, Thai boxing, one class of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And then I realised I really, really didn't like being punched in the face. Yeah, exactly. So like, jiu-jitsu. Also, I like grappling more. Yeah, same. It's more... There's something quite satisfying about being able to just slowly choke somebody. Um, yeah. <laughs> in a nice sense. I suppose it doesn't help when your partner's a purple belt and you're only white belt. <laughs> All right, rubbing it in. Jesus. Um, no, but that's good, though, because it means, like, well, obviously, we take it in turns to train. Yeah. Um, he comes home and he's like, oh, you never guess what I learned tonight. And then next thing you know, we're practising... <laughs> on the living room floor like little weirdos um, and then I do the same when I come back I'm like oh guess what I learn and then yeah so it's it's good fun but it also means that play fighting takes a whole new level um, <laughs> and we don't trust each other <laughs> at all we don't trust each other to cuddle each other because next thing you know someone's You're trying to sneak their hooks. arm yeah constantly <laughs> fighting for underhooks constantly like someone's trying to sneak their arm up around your throat and you're like what are you doing and then I'm just kind of like, no you're not Trying to get hooks in. It's all cuddles. It's all cuddles. It's not all cuddles. It's all lies. It's all lies. Um, Aggressive cuddles. Struggle cuddles. Yeah. Exactly. The best kind of cuddles. That's what fight like a girl too is. The cuddle struggle. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I love that name so much. (laughs) I can't even... You you can't even imagine how much I love it. Um, Right. So... Your fibro with the MMA. Yes. It didn't like it very much. (laughs) (laughs) No. But, um... Like, you still did it. I did. And I'm almost positive that there were days where you were like, oh, 
I really don't want to do this. But then you did it. Yeah, it's just pretty much almost every day. <laughs> I mean, you get it. I get it all the time. I used to get it more. Um, I got it loads from my parents when I first got sick because uh, they didn't get it. My mum got it a bit more because she suffers from chronic back pain. Um, she had scoliosis, so her discs and stuff are all like blah. Yeah. Um, and she's got like bolts in her spine and all sorts. We call her Robo Mum. But um, yeah, like my dad would ask me, oh, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling any better? And if I even thought of saying no, it'd be, for God's sake, Joe, everyone's tired. We're all tired. Get over it kind of thing. And you, you just get to a point where you're like, I just, I'm just going to tell everyone I'm fine. Just just say I'm fine. Just always say I'm fine. So that that's my go-to. Yeah. It's like, I'm just okay. Just um, there's few people that can tell when I'm not. Um, one of our sponsees, Morgan, her mum and I have become really, really close. And she can tell just from the way I'm writing a message that I'm not okay. And will tell me <laughs> off if I'm not looking after myself. Um, and she often tries to take care of me when she comes down to stay. I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> She'll tell me off if I'm going too hard during training or if I'm starting to look... Because I go a really nice, sickly green colour <laughs> when Beautiful. I'm in a lot of pain. I don't look very well at all. Um, and she clocks onto that right away and she's like, get off the mats, have something to drink, sit still, have something to eat. Um, Goes into full-blown mum mode. Yeah, which is awesome because when we went to um, a ladies-only open mat um, seminar thing in Amsterdam... I was like, first time without the kids for me. I was just like, Karen, you're the adult. You're the mum now. I'm not being a parent anymore. You're my mum for the weekend. You have to do everything. I'm not being an adult. See you later. Don't <laughs> stuff for me. Yeah, pretty much is how it went. So, <laughs> But no, it's nice. It's nice that I now, like, I have that support and I have people that understand. Because at the beginning, I, I had support, but they didn't understand. Yeah. So it was really difficult to... Like, even now, I find it difficult to put across yeah. how severe it actually gets. Because um, I, I joke about it. It's my way of dealing with it. I joke about it a lot. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> to a point where, when I was in labour with Marley, I had to pre-warn the doctors that the more shit jokes I made actually meant the more pain <laughs> I was in. Because I don't, I don't like people to see me in pain. I don't like people to see me cry. I spent years doing that when I was really, really sick. Mm. so yeah I, I cover it I've learned to cover it very very well but yeah there's those few people that can tell the difference and um kind of slap me silly and yeah. I spent nearly three decades masking my feelings so I understand that completely. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm the same I make shit jokes over everything I've noticed you've had a whole bunch of them today <laughs> That's I do I feel like I should be recording them and then just make like a little book Chloe's shit jokes <laughs> Volume one. You wouldn't make a lot of money. <laughs> I never said about making money. <laughs> Just present it to me on my birthday. Yeah, exactly. Here's all the shit jokes you made this year. <laughs> Enjoy. Cheap birthday present. Winning. I don't know. I'd like it to be like a really nice book. <laughs> like oh, leather bound. Oh my God. Ask for much. Jesus. What do you it, think I am made of money? <laughs> I want it printed on that like really thin Bible paper as well. <laughs> like, how awesome would that be? <laughs> yeah keep dreaming um, <laughs> I thought we were pals um, but yeah I really struggle to kind of like get across how bad it can be I mean I guess a good example is we had our end of year seminar mm. um, just before New Year and 
I did what I John and I split the seminar because we had both the kids with us Marley was joining in but obviously Effie can't so he was like right well I'll do the first couple of hours of ghee and then you can do the last two hours of no ghee and I'm like yeah that's cool like doing two hours is it's not out of the norm so I was like yeah that's fine absolutely fine um and we did that and then before it even got to the end of nogi I was in so much pain my hands and feet felt like they were on fire I didn't want to touch anything my eyes felt like they were going to pop out my head I had high pitch ringing in my ears my back just I felt like someone had pretty much just stomped up and down my spine and my hips were just it just felt like someone was pulling my hips apart it was horrible and that's probably the closest I've gotten to quitting jiu-jitsu because I got back to my parents house because we were staying with them in the new forest and um I just I pretty much collapsed because they've got this massive like walk-in shower thing um so I just disappeared upstairs for like over an hour and just collapsed on the shower floor with the hot water running because I I couldn't move and I felt sick and I just was so awful and it took me weeks to fully recover um and yeah that's the closest I've got to quitting because I was like what's the point I've just done this last year where I trained five days a week for like three and a half hours for weeks and I'd competed several times at Fight Like a Girl at Cheltenham and things I'd competed and I'd put myself through hell this last year trying to train as hard as I could because I wanted to push myself and see what I could do to then just do two hours and my body just went fuck this shit and I was like are you kidding are you actually like what is the point what is the actual point in pushing myself so hard and trying so hard Mm. if my body's just gonna pick and choose no matter what I do which is the reality of it because as much as I've plateaued at the moment it could all go to shit tomorrow I I have no control which is a really happy thought yay (laughs) see humor can't stay serious for too long it all gets too emotional and I don't like it (laughs) it's an uncomfortable reality yeah and like a lot of people think that well, for a lot of people, their life can go to shit in, like, a moment. Yeah, but, absolutely. Like, anyone could be hit by a bus or um, attacked in the street or anything like that. But for you, it's literally just, you could go to bed fine and then wake up and everything is awful. Yeah. Like, there's there's no interjecting factor that has to enter into your life. It's literally just a case of one day it's fine, the next day it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Absolutely, because especially, like... Um so Effie's birth for example she turned up six and a half weeks early um and that's probably been the scariest thing I've ever been through because the doctors turned around to John and I before they went in because I had to go and have a c-section but I had to be put under because it turns out with haemophilia you can't have uh epidural apparently Mm. um which I didn't know about that at all um and I had a bleed in my abdomen and they were like, right, four consultants have turned around and said, we've got to take her out now. That's that's it. You've got no choice. She has to come out. And then also went on to say, you might want to call your families because we don't know if either of you are going to make out. So that in itself was frigging terrifying, like having to pretty much kiss John goodbye and walk out of a hospital room and walk down the hallway to have Effie was just, that was bizarre. And then... 
obviously she's fine I'm fine so that's all awesome but then because of all of that and some of the things that I dealt with just before the surgery Mm. lying on the surgery table and hearing stuff things like that and just the whole thing um I got diagnosed with PTSD um and then recovering from a c-section with fibromyalgia so we've had anti-hemophilia yeah so over the last (laughs) over the last couple of years it's been very stressful and very up and down but I made it through all of that so then to get to the seminar just gone yeah and two hours of training and my body's like no you're right I'm like are you actually kidding me because I I I went back to train I had Effie on the 31st of August 2016 Mm. I was back at training by mid-October after a c-section after major abdominal surgery which yes before anyone says it I know is very very stupid but I took it very easy and Mm. I selected my training partners carefully and they knew I'd had the surgery and nothing hurt at this point we just made sure I didn't do anything like no one did knee on belly on me or anything like that I didn't push it too hard I just slowly introduced myself back into doing movements and things just to kind of get my body used to it but also jiu-jitsu makes people do stupid things that's something that I've noticed in jiu-jitsu like I've had I've had a really bad back for the past 12 months I know you've told me (laughs) yeah I I, I trapped my sciatic nerve in April last year and that lasted for about six weeks where Mm. I couldn't walk properly I couldn't train but I would still go to training sometimes and just go I'll just see what I can do and then mess it up even more yeah and that's like that's one of like that's why I consider jujitsu to be a drug and not a martial art because <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, definitely addictive. It's like heroin. It's it's very Moorish. <laughs> very Moorish. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it is. It's definitely one of those things that once you're you're in it, you're in it yeah. for sure. And I'm just Stop thinking about quitting. Oh God! <laughs> I said it was the once. It was one time. Okay. Oh, oh that's just getting so difficult. Um, but no, I'm very lucky that again, like. I've got John's support because when I have been in a lot of pain and I have really struggled, he's been there to make sure that like the kids are sorted. I get the rest I need. And Mm. like even times when he's exhausted that he's, he's constantly making sure that support's there for me so I can continue training because he knows that, well, he saw me with a few weeks without training. He saw me with over nine months without training and Mm. I'm pretty sure he never wants that to happen ever again (laughs) because I was close to ripping people's heads off. It's, it's my stress reliever. It's my it's my me time. Yeah. It's my time where I'm not a mum. I'm not working. I'm not freaking cleaning the house constantly. Yeah. I'm not having to concentrate on anything, and I can just not zone out because if I did that, then people would choke the shit out of me. Mm. But I can just concentrate on what I'm doing. Yeah. At the time, you know, and I, I've not found that with any other sport. I found that like with weights people are like oh yeah it's my me time and I'm like yeah but I can think about everything yeah. else you're very much in your head when you're yeah and like I... cardio sports and things like exactly that. whereas I find with jiu-jitsu I don't have to be in my own head no. I just I concentrate on what I'm doing and it's fun and it's relaxing and it's a massive de-stressor for me yeah and that helps with my fibro as well as much as jiu-jitsu on the physical aspect mm. really screws my body up <laughs> and Sometimes I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? This is really stupid. I hurt anyway, so why am I letting people hurt me? Yeah. Um, it, it's good for my head. 
Yeah, but that that's mind, the, body, and soul, and all that. One of the things I love so much about <coughs> jujitsu, it's as much a mental sport as it is a physical sport. Yeah. So, um, like, I have there's a lot of stress going on in my life, and um, for me, the fact that I get to go to jujitsu, I know that in the two and a half hours that I'm training. I'm not going to have to worry about all of the stresses that I've carried with me through exactly. the whole day because I'm either focusing on applying the techniques that are being taught or I'm focusing on countering what somebody's doing. You're just to me completely cut off. You're completely yeah. cut off from everything. And I think that's, you're I think that's healthy. to think ahead. Yeah. Like within the context of jujitsu only, you don't have time to think about that report you have to do for work tomorrow, no. or you don't have time to be depressed or anxious about like nonsense going on in your life. All you have to think about is how to stop this person from getting to your back and strangling you. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, when I um, got diagnosed with PTSD and I was really struggling, I've I never had anxiety before until I got PTSD and. I mean, I understood a bit about it, but I, I never assumed anything in, in what people were going through because I ne- I've never been through it. I've never had an anxiety attack ever. Hmm. And then after having Effie and going through that, I was having anxiety attacks. I was really unwell. And so they sent me to counselling and they made me do is it light aversion therapy where you sit and watch this light go back and forth and they try and make you think of your happy place. I don't know. It's some kind of bullshit. I just... I'm sorry, it's not bullshit, I'm sure it works for some people, but for me personally, I just, I felt like I was just sat in a room with a person asking me over and over again what happened, basically poking and prodding me until she made me cry, and then going, now look at this light and think of your happy place, and that wasn't helping, (laughs) I felt more and more shit after each session, (laughs) so as much as going back to jiu-jitsu early in terms of C-section recovery and fibromyalgia probably wasn't the best idea, Mm. I did it anyway because it was better for me. It's better, yeah, and your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And then I cancelled loads of my appointments with the therapy after <laughs> I went back because I just thought I couldn't, couldn't bring myself to go back in and just be harassed by this woman. I'm sure she had the best intentions, but it just it wasn't working for me and I couldn't do it anyway. I just couldn't face her. It was too much. And then she instead we had a phone appointment and uh, she made me do this Thing, like I don't know whether you've done it before where you do like a scorecard to see what points you get yeah. and then it says how high you are on a scale or whatever mm. and she was like you're at naught and I was like okay brilliant awesome she's like oh my god what do you think we've done to help it but I was like you've done nothing you've actually <laughs> done nothing I was like no offense to you but it's because I managed to get back into the gym it's because I got back to jujitsu yeah and she didn't understand that and like I say it just it helps me a lot yeah so this is why John needs to give me more training sessions and he should only do one day a week because he's a purple belt and I'm only a white belt. So I need more sessions with him. Uh, but no. I hope he listens to this now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you listening, John? Do as you're told. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd do it anyway because my parents ask me as well. They're like, should you be doing it? The yeah. amount of pain you go through. Um, I've got hypermobility as well, so mm. all my joints are all loose and lax and my shoulders pop out and all sorts. Yeah, cool. I know it's you pro- also have a tendency for heel hooks, which I'm not a fan of. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have a tendency for heel hooks. It was more oh, the so fact... against me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It was just that I was rolling with you and I just thought I'd tease it a little bit because it was funny. Normally I wouldn't <laughs> do it. 
But um, it's out of love. I, but yeah, they don't get it either. And it's taken a long time for them to realise that it, it keeps me sane and it keeps yeah. me happy and it stops me from feeling negative about it. I mean, I'm in pain after... I'm in a lot of pain after. Every training session, I'm in so much pain and I feel so awful and I just I can't even describe it. It's like... You know when I said it's like leg day? Imagine, yeah. leg, imagine leg day over your whole body. Mm, but like, it hurts to blink. It hurts to move your <laughs> mouth. It hurts to move your fingers. It's awful. But, but it's all about... It, it's pain against payoff, essentially. So yeah. is what you're doing and what's going to happen worth going through what you're doing yes in your exactly otherwise i'd rather feel in fucking agony and know that i've achieved something than feel so shit and be like all i've done is lie here all day and rest like the doctors have told me Mm. and i still feel shit that's not saying that you shouldn't rest and you should push yourself it you've got to listen to your own body and find your own rhythm and what works for you because if yeah. I've learned anything from other people that have the same condition as me is that as much as our symptoms are very similar, the way each individual needs to treat it is very different. Yes. Um, so you need to find what works for you. And I've tried so many different things. It's crazy. Um, but I'm, you just, you've got power through sometimes yeah. just to, I'd rather feel in pain and have something happy going on in my life than mm. be in pain and be miserable all of the time. Yes. And then it's setting a good example for the kids as well, I think, because I don't want Marley seeing me in bed all the time and yeah. being like, why is mummy in bed all the time? Why can't she do anything? I've been through that. I've been there. I can't, I, I can't get back to that point again. I think if I got back to that point again where I was bed bound, I will break. Yeah. So it's... Which is understandable. It's me being incredibly stubborn, which apparently I am. I don't know. John says I am. I didn't but know. I didn't... Hey, personally, I don't feel like I'm stubborn, but apparently I'm very stubborn. So, well, yeah. Until you meet someone who's even more stubborn. No, you're not even more stubborn. You'd be surprised. You're just a douchebag. <laughs> I'm joking. I love Gosh. you really. I love you really. Don't hurt me. You toilet rag. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, dare you? But we abuse each other out of love, so it's fine. Yes. Um, but yeah, like I find a lot of people say things like, "Oh, I wish I'd started earlier." When they talk about jujitsu, and when I f- I feel that when a lot of people say that, they mean that in respects to how they've progressed thus far. So, oh, if I'd started five years earlier, I'd have had my black belt by now. Mm. If I'd started five years earlier, I'd have done this, this, and this. But for me, when I when I think about my past and I think about jiu-jitsu, I, I, I do genuinely think I wish I'd started earlier because then I wouldn't have, like, one of the things that triggers my depression is the, f- the feeling of not um, actually achieving anything in yeah. my life. So, um, like, as much as I love my job, as much as I love my, my friends and family, like, I do have these, <laughs> I do have these bouts where I feel like, I'm not really doing anything with my life. I feel like because of where my transition is at the moment and where um, where I want to be, everything in my life is on hold. Like last year, I, I was told that I would have my surgery in uh, August, September time. And that never happened because like the, the, 
the doctor's surgery lost my referrals they didn't actually send anything over so now everything's been delayed and it's going to be like later this year at some time i have no idea when yeah but like the whole of last year i couldn't take holiday because i would need it for my surgery to recover i um couldn't take any sick days because i needed it to recover because my, my recovery period is supposed to be 10 weeks and i only get four weeks occupational sick from work and i only have um five holiday weeks at okay. work and it's like so i need all my holiday and i need all my sick just to get through recovery without it impacting me financially yeah and it's it was tough yeah and you then had when to put everything out, on hold yeah and then i found out that oh it's not going to happen this year and i was like okay and then i lost all my holiday well i lost i lost a fair amount of my holiday because i couldn't take it <laughs> um and it was just awful but one thing i love about jiu-jitsu is the fact that you get a sense of accomplishment every single lesson yeah you've always learned something you've always done something and it it doesn't matter if if you're sparring with uh, a number of people and you tap out a hundred times, your mind will automatically either go to what you did wrong when you were tapping to those people, or it will go to the one tap you did get from the technique that you got right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I enjoy about it because there's no lose in jujitsu. Like you always have a sense of accomplishment, which is something that my life lacked until then. And like, that's why I would do it. And I, I had the same uh, experience with mental health professionals as you. I had um, cognitive behavioural therapy. Yep. I had standard uh, psychotherapy uh, people. And just... I had a couple of counsellors who were very condescending. <laughs> yeah, they're the fun ones. Did you ever get one that has a really soft voice when they try and talk to you? Yeah. Oh, oh my God, I can't, I can't deal with it. I want you to speak to me properly. Yeah, and like... Um, I'm very open with people about who I am and the condition that yeah. I have and stuff like that because I have to be um, when you have uh, like gender dysphoria you can't have any shame and you can't hide behind anything because you're going to be asked ridiculous questions like I'm sure you've been asked ridiculous well questions that you found ridiculous uh, compared to your situation yeah like regardless of who I speak to I always get asked about my sexuality I always get asked whether or not I'm sexually active and things that have absolutely nothing to do with my condition mm. all because it's curiosity isn't it just to try and figure out what's going on and yeah yeah and it's like I don't I don't need that kind of stress in my life and like I wish I hadn't gone to as many mental health professionals as I had at the time but now I know that I don't really need that kind of help. Yeah. Like, a lot. So, it's... I don't know. Jiu-Jitsu is amazing. Like, I, I tell it to everyone. <laughs> I get better advice from Jiu-Jitsu than I have done from so many different people. I think the worst bit of advice I'd ever gotten was from one of my uni lecturers. Um, because I hadn't been well. I hadn't been in for a while. And... She asked what was going on. Bearing in mind, she knew my health condition, all the other stuff that I was going through with the haemophilia testing and everything. And her logic behind this was, no one says you have to sleep at night. And I was like, what? And she's like, well, why don't you sleep during the day? And then 
you could do your uni work at night. Because that's not how it works. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, right, you've done no research on that. I, uh, I wanted to rip her head off, but I didn't. And I just smiled and nodded and just left it. Because there, there was no point. There was no arguing with this person. You became a penguin. Yeah. smile and wave. Exactly. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. Because I was like, if you had done any research on fibro at all, you would know that a big part of it is restless sleep. So no matter how much I sleep, I never feel like I've slept. I always feel completely exhausted and drained. And I get severe restless leg syndrome. So I always feel like I've woken up running a bastard marathon. So that doesn't doesn't (laughs) help. That doesn't make sense. And the amount of times I've turned around to John and he's like, oh, you you slept for hours last night. Like, that's really good. And he'll tell me that he's been up with Effie or something. And I'll turn around and be like, I honestly wish I could give you all the sleep that I just had because I don't feel like I've had any. I feel like it's completely wasted on me. I'm like, what's, what's the point? What's the point of me sleeping for eight hours? Because it doesn't feel like I've slept for eight hours. It feels like I've slept for like two. Mm. You know, if you did sleep for two, it'd be even worse. I don't know. I don't know anymore. It's all just like abusing. It's just... I don't know, it, you just get used to being in pain. And I know that sounds really depressing, but it's just, pain is the norm for me now. Yeah. And it's the same with... I'm going to wildly generalise now. <laughs> um, like, human beings as uh, an animal are wildly adaptive creatures. So, um, it's very easy for us to define a norm in a situation. If something happens often enough, it becomes the norm. Yeah. So... My normal is never going to be the same as your normal. Just the the same as your normal is never going to be the same as John's or exactly. anyone else's. And um, like, it is crazy when when I I think about the things that other people go through, and um, they still continue to train, and they put themselves through a whole load of nonsense just to get that little yeah. piece of time to because everyone's going through their own personal battles like no one's yeah. no, no one's one not a free ride. no everyone's got injuries or well whether it be injuries or family problems or yeah. other health issues mental health issues anything at all everyone's got their own shit that's going on that could stop them from yeah. training and put them off training but they still push through it anyway which mm. i think shows how much jiu-jitsu can help yeah and how much it really does keep some people sane yeah although i wouldn't i also wouldn't generalize the term sane in a lot of the people i know in jiu-jitsu <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because i'm one of them i'm definitely not sane um a little bit cray but yeah it's it's astonishing what people go through and what they put themselves through to do the sport that they love and i think that's really cool as well because mm. I'm not going to mention her by name, but I am going to mention her because I fucking love her. She's she's one of my heroes. Like, I, like she's she's such a brilliant person. But like, I don't know anyone else in the world who would dislocate their shoulder <laughs> <laughs> and then go. Ah, uh, I got bored of being at home, so I'm going back to jujitsu. And then they just she just takes her just just sits just there just sits there with her li- little limp arm. Just, and then she just goes, yep, I'll just continue on now. And like, like um, I saw 
uh, a picture that someone posted of her with her arm tucked yeah, into her I saw it as well. on Instagram, and, and that's the definition of jujitsu to me. Yeah. And that's, like, for me, like I said at the beginning, like, the whole, or well, one of the points of this podcast in particular is the I Still Train campaign. Yeah. Um, that's being pushed by the UK BJGA, and that picture alone defines... Um, not just resilience in jiu-jitsu, but female resilience in general. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, it's because we're amazing. all stubborn bitches. So that's that's <laughs> largely it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I shouldn't really generalise that. Not all women are. Most women. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit derogatory. So I probably shouldn't have said it like that. How but are you? I know. Oh, not PC. But, um, yeah, we're all just stubborn. And there's nothing wrong with being stubborn. And I don't think there's anything wrong with pushing it sometimes. No. Sometimes you have to. Exactly. Right. So, we have been talking for a while. And my voice is getting quite hoarse. Shakshu. I know. <laughs> I know. But, like, honestly, like, completely off topic. Like, um, when I started my transition, one of the things that I wanted to do was train my voice. Because it used to be a lot deeper than it is now. And, like... Um, it's just weird and like I spent months and months and months training my voice to go into uh, a higher octave and like my my throat was constantly on fire <laughs> because like um, for those of you who don't know when uh, men generally speak they speak from their chest like down here okay. and when women speak it's usually from like the top of their throat so if you can visualize where your where your voice is coming from no one can see me pulling silly faces right now (laughs) trying to figure this out like uh, okay if you can visualize where your voice is coming from you can control the 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 tone and the pitch okay i'm not even going to try so everyone can hear (laughs) because everyone will laugh at me but like i went through a period of um adjusting my voice and like the only other time in the recent past that it's hurt as much as it does now <laughs> is when I did Dan's podcast <laughs> and I was speaking for like nearly two hours and it's it's not good. Or when like I was in the car on the way down and I was singing along to One Direction. <laughs> you won. Oh, oh lost. I've lost all respect for you now. No. I have. No, it's <laughs> no. gone now. Get out of my house. <laughs> no. Honestly, I don't understand what people's problem is with One Direction because they are painting... The fact that you even (laughs) just said that makes me cringe. Oh my god! (laughs) I've been. It's it's more a case of the people that I work with. Stop trying to justify it. Stop trying to justify it. My language. Stop trying to justify it. You officially said Peng Ting, and you've admitted to liking One Direction. I think this podcast is over. No, I can edit that bit out, and it's just like you sounding a bit mental for a bit. (laughs) Thanks. Love you too, jerk. um okay so we've been speaking for a long time so i'm going to end things with one last question that sounded very threatening (laughs) i'm gonna end things (laughs) and i was slamming my hand on the thing as well i know i am i'm very um very aggressive right now i don't know if i should be scared for my life you should be okay my final question to you is if you had any advice to give anyone oh God. who 
is struggling with training or looking for something to um, kind of get them out of where they are in their head at the moment, what, what, what would it be? You could have pre-warned me before you threw that one at me. <laughs> um, oh, God, I don't know. I'm not going to think it on my feet. Um, just sat down. Just do you. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> I know, I told you. <laughs> Fucking knobhead. Um, uh, just do jiu-jitsu. No, um, you just need to try loads of different things and find something you love. That's the only thing. You can't force yourself. Um... I know lots of people that suffer from, like I say, mental illness or chronic pain, and they force themselves to do things, and they're not th- fully enjoying it, but they feel like it's something they should be doing that will help their condition. Um, but I feel like because they're forcing themselves, it kind of has an adverse reaction. Yeah. Um, so just find something you love to do, and once you do that, I think just kind of see it through. Find love and, and pursue it. Yeah, and just try and try and find balance as well. I think that's key. I know it's e- much easier said than done, because um, life is a jerk and uh, likes to throw shit at people. But yeah, try and find balance as much as you can, and try and have a good support network around you as well. Like, don't don't hide away. You need to talk to mm. people. I think if you're if you're really struggling talking and finding help is a good plan just don't find those therapists that talk like this because that just makes things worse um, <laughs> but yeah talking and finding help and just i don't know i don't know i feel like i'm rambling i'm really good at rambling just go do jiu-jitsu everyone should just do jiu-jitsu that's it basically everyone <laughs> should do bjj end of no arguments it will fix everything <laughs> You heard it here first. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu fixes everything. Not sure if you should take that from a white belt, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's, you've been a white belt for four But no, years. thank you for interviewing me. It's, no. it's a bit hard to talk about it. It's weird. I don't really... I can go into like the factual stuff yeah. of fibro, but when it comes into like my personal experiences and stuff, kind of... Gets me a bit emotional. I don't really I do emotion. Yeah, no one else saw though because there's no video, so it's fine. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> um, but no, thank you. It's been cool and I hope it helps. Me too. Which would be awesome. And yeah. if there's anyone that suffers from the same condition or similar, like Emmy, chronic fatigue, and all of that, they can always get in touch that's cool as well because I don't mind I know how hard it is when mm. you're struggling and you feel like you don't know anyone else that's got it as well yeah. and it's trying to worse than feeling alone on top of everything else yeah totally so I'm always always happy to talk to other people that are struggling with the same or similar conditions I'll check you out I know I can be nice sometimes you're a regular Florence Nightingale oh my god <laughs> That's right. I'm Regular with, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Can't get you in your sleep. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't sleep anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're safe, so it's fine. Oh, see, we're rambling again. This is why I shouldn't be allowed on these things. Yes. <laughs> that and all my swearing. I do apologise as well for my potty mouth. Yeah, if you're under the age of 16. 
I'd say if you're under the age of 21, probably don't listen to it. You're lucky I didn't drop the C bomb. <laughs> We've done well there. We have. I uh, think I said F once. <laughs> I think I said it a lot of times. <laughs> Can't help it. Apparently, people that swear are more trustworthy, so Facebook says, so I'm going with it. Did you get that from David Avocado Wolf? <laughs> no. <laughs> Good, because then we couldn't be friends. I don't even know who that is. He looks like he's got, um, like, you know, the noodles that you bought. Why are you looking like you're playing with a ball bag? <laughs> that's not that it. That's not about fondling ball bags. Because that's not how I judge you at Oh, my God. I'm just going to cut this short now. <laughs> um, Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much for appearing on this. Appearing? It's all a microphone. Yeah, but your voice is making an appearance. Why? Now you're just being facetious. Now you're just being pretentious. (laughs) You bitch. You slag. Thank you very much for speaking to me. And um, yeah, as Josie said. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) As Josie said, like, I really hope that some people are able to listen to this and take away some good from it and even if it's just a bit of a giggle even if it makes you smile for like what is it an hour and 40 minutes (laughs) you were like oh it's only gonna last 15 minutes (laughs) i don't think i can talk for very long no i just didn't want to talk i don't like talking to people i get all shy there's going to be so much editing in this it's, it's going to be unbelievable you're not even going to recognise yourself you're going to ring me next week and be like can I come over again to redo this please I've cut this down to like 15 minutes 15 seconds after you take out all my swearing right now we definitely are rambling thank you very much for speaking to me thank you for having me and yeah thank you all for listening I suppose so that was it I really hope you've enjoyed the interview. I just want to thank Jo one more time for allowing me to have this conversation with her. I know the subject is very close to her heart and as you could probably tell from the interview, it was quite emotional in places as well. So I can't thank you enough for allowing me the opportunity to prod your feelings with my questions and for inviting me to your home to do so. Um, I know there are a lot of podcasts out there, especially on the subject of jiu-jitsu. More and more are coming out every day. Um, So, again, thank you for taking the time to listen to mine. Feel free to subscribe and comment. Um, I'm hoping to put content out roughly once a month. So if you'd like to stay up to date with all of that stuff, Um, feel free to do that or if you're already subscribed to the Fight Like a Girl Facebook page or Instagram account or Twitter account um, I'm probably going to be putting links to these podcasts on there as well so yeah whichever your preferred method of social media you should still get the updates Um, as I mentioned before it would be really awesome to see as many women as possible get involved with the I Still Trained campaign that's being put forth by the UK BJJA's uh, Women's Committee. I know that training can be and often is taken for granted sometimes, so having women demonstrate what they're willing to sacrifice in order to train 
would be an awesome kickstart to the International Women's Day campaign. Um, other than that, just thank you again for taking the time to listen to my little podcast. And um, yeah, hopefully next time I won't say M as much and have as many issues with the mics that I did this time. So until next time, thanks again. Sound check. Cottage cheese and whiskey. <laughs> Vaginas. <laughs> <laughs>